Thank you so much for joining us today. We would love to know how this ministry is touching your life. Please take a moment and visit NBCOcala.com stories to tell us your story. Also, if you'd like to help support the ministry financially, you can give online or through our mobile giving app. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you enjoy today's message. This morning, you guys may be seated. Well, I'd like to welcome everyone, say happy Father's Day for everybody that's in the room and everybody joining us online. So glad you guys are here today. Uh, again, if you're new or maybe you hadn't been here one of the times I've spoken before, uh, I'm your brother from another mother, you know what I'm saying? And so it's good. It's good to be in the house. My name is Scott Williams. I bring you greetings from the great state of Oklahoma, uh, the great state of Oklahoma, the city of Oklahoma City. I was planning on being able to say home of the 2016 NBA champions, but I want to talk about the NBA right now. It's kind of a bitter subject right now, so it's good, but uh, it's great. And uh, I'm married. I have one wife. She's awesome. Her name is Akin. Are y'all clapping that I have one wife, or are you happen to clapping that she's awesome? I don't know. You guys started clapping. So her name's LaKendria, and then we have two boys, Wesley and Jaden. They're 13 and 17 years old. And I know what some of you guys are thinking right now. He doesn't look old enough to have a 17-year-old. You know what they say, black don't crack. You know what I'm saying? So it's good. It's good. It's good to be here. Uh, it's great. Now, I'm excited to be able to share today. It's going to be lots of fun. Uh, before we get started, I'm going to go ahead and give honor where honor is due. I mean, uh, your pastor's Tim and Alicia. I mean, you guys need to know this. Like, you're just blessed with the leaders that you have. And I don't say this lightly. Like, I was with some leaders at Southeastern this week and just learned some of the other leaders and how they refer to your pastor. Like, he's a legend, just the depth and the type of leader that he is. And so don't take that for granted. We just honor your pastor. He's the father of this house on Father's Day. You give him a hand clap for all that he does, his leadership. Great, great, great man of God. I mean, I travel a lot, so I get to go to lots of great places and meet lots of great people. And there's no more place I love to come to than Florida or Ocala. But I'm telling you this, guys. Man, you have this thing here called glumidity. Like, <laughs> it's hot. Like, I feel like I need to take a shower every time I step out. You know what I'm saying? Before I left Oklahoma City, my hair was blonde and straight. You know what I'm saying? Like, like uh, it's great. I, I'm telling you, I'm excited to be able to share God's word today. We're going to have lots of fun. I just promise you this, that if you be willing to open your heart and open your ears, you're going to walk out these doors different than when you walked in. I can guarantee you that. So uh, just let the scripture speak to you. Uh, before we dive into God's word, let's go to our Heavenly Father in prayer. God, I just thank you so much for the opportunity to be able to share your word today, God. I pray right now that you would open the hearts of every single person that's under the sound of my voice. Uh, the best that I can do is just preach a general message, God, and that you've laid on my heart. But um, what you can do is you can take this message and divide it thousands of times so it can speak uniquely to the hearts of every single person that's under the sound of my voice. We love you. We thank you. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Everyone said? Amen, amen. Again, I'm just a mailman today here to deliver a package that God has given me for you guys. And, and so we're going to look at a very, very familiar story in the Bible. I thought it was very appropriate for Father's Day as we're going to look at the story of David and Goliath. I mean, by a show of hands, have you guys heard the story of David and Goliath? If you haven't, you will know all about it here shortly. Let me go ahead and give you a spoiler alert. David wins. You know what I'm saying? So, but here's the deal. So we're going to look at the story of David and Goliath. I'm going to go ahead and set the stage for the time that we're going to look at in Scripture. It's around 1010 B.C., and you had these two nations that were getting ready to go to battle. So it's like these two nations getting ready to go to battle. Imagine like a big football field. Imagine like Gator Stadium. So they're at the swamp, right? So they're at the swamp, and it's these two nations getting ready to battle. So you got like the good guys on one side. For you guys' context, you got like the good guys, the Florida Gators are on one side, and then you have like the bad guys, the Philistines, which I guess be like Florida State on the other side. You know what I'm saying? And so, uh, and so like one side is over here doing this, <laughs> 
And then you got the other side, oh, whatever they do. I'm not even going to lie. Whether you're a Gators fan or a Florida State fan, those are the two best chants in like college football. Like they're both just, I know some of you guys may disagree with the other one. But anyway, nonetheless, two nations getting ready to go to battle. And imagine like the football field is like, it's the Valley of Elah, and so, but it, it had the sycamore trees, and whichever nation controlled that, it was also important for their national defense, and so that controlling that Valley of Elah was really important. And so they're both lined up on these very, very steep ridges, and they're getting ready to go to battle. But no one wants to go first because, again, whoever goes first off of that steep ridge is going to be at a disadvantage. And so it's almost like two kids on a playground saying they're going to fight, but they really don't want to fight. Like, you throw the first punch. no. You throw the first punch. No, you throw the first punch. So they're kind of going back and forth, but nobody's doing anything. I'm going to go ahead and set the stage for the different players that you have in the story. So you have Jesse. Jesse was a sharecropper, and he had eight sons. His three eldest sons were actually out there on the battle lines with the good guys getting ready to go to war. And then you had this big, ugly giant named Goliath. And Goliath stood nine feet, six inches tall. Nine feet, six inches tall. And so, I mean, you got to understand how tall that is. Just to give you some context, like the tallest person to ever live in our time is a guy by the name of the, the Alton Giant, Robert Wadlow from Alton, Illinois. And he was like, um, he was near like eight foot, 11 inches tall. He was just crazy, crazy tall. But then again, it's like you got like Shaquille O'Neal is like seven foot one. Robert Wadlow, eight foot something. Goliath, nine foot six. I mean, you, you guys know, like, how big Shaquille is. Like, Shaq is just big. I mean, I don't know if you guys have been watching, like, during the NBA playoffs. Like, you know, they'll have Shaq and Kenny and Barkley. They're always there at the end kind of doing their talking. And Shaq is just sitting there. He's just big for no reason. Just big. <laughs> big and tall. You know what I'm saying? Like, and, like, and he, it's always funny, like, Shaq's commentary. It's like, he says the stuff like, really, Shaq? Do we need you to tell us that? Like, well, Chuck, what I think they need to do is uh, they just need to pass the ball and score. Well, thanks, Shaq. We appreciate that. Um, so anyway, so, so you got Goliath. He's this big giant, and, and he's standing there, and he's doing his thing. And then the youngest son, Jesse, David, Jesse's youngest son's name was David. And David was about 15 years old at the time. And so they're sitting out there. They're out on the battle lines. And, Je- and David's responsibility was literally to stay back and to take care of the sheep. And so his responsibility was literally he would scoop the sheep dung. Translation, he would scoop the poop. You know what I'm saying? So that's what he would do. He would stay back, scoop the poop while his oldest brothers were out there getting ready to go to war. And so uh, Jesse goes to David, like, David, here's the deal. What I need you to do, I need you to go check on your brothers on the battle line, go out there, see how they're doing. I got this roasted grain and corn. Take this to them, give them this little care package, and then see how they're doing. Come back to me, report what's going on, okay? So, that, so David's like, okay, I got it. So David's gone. He's got Jiffy cornbread in hand. He goes out there. He goes out there. He goes in, and he gets to the battle lines. And when he gets to the battle lines, he shows up. He's like, hey, what's up, fellas? Like, Dad, want me to come, you know, give you this. Ro- I don't know what the conversation really looked like. I wasn't there. You know what I'm saying? But so, so he goes out there, and he's having a conversation with my here's the corn. What's going on? Dad, want me to give this to you? How you doing? Everything good? And, and again, Eliab was the oldest one, and he was like the chosen son. He was the good-looking son. He was the one that, that fashioned himself after the wars that time, and he was one to be like the next king, like he was the man. And so and Eliab's like, David, what are you doing out here, man? Why are you bringing this corn out here? Man, nobody wants you. Go on back home. Go scoop the poop. Why are you even doing here? And David's like, man, I'm just doing, you know, doing what my, my father asked me to do. I'm just, just doing what I, what I was asked to do. And so the next thing you know, so every single day, Goliath would step out and shout his normal defiance to disrespect the armies of the living God. So he would step out, your God ain't nothing. Your God is this. Your God is that. And he would step out and he'd do it every single day. 
And he liked to do it in the morning and the evening because that's when the Israelites were praying. You know, in other words, he know the best time to push their buttons. Some of you guys know, like, as fathers, sometimes our kids know the right time, or I would say the wrong time, to push our buttons. Like, that's when they push your buttons. And that's what Goliath would do. And so as Goliath stood out to do his normal defiance, that's about the time that, that David shows up with the cornbread in hand. I love what the Bible says. He stepped out to do his normal defiance, and David heard it. You see, that's key because you have an entire army that's out there on the battle lines, and they heard it. But David, David heard it. Dads, moms, sons, daughters, today, you may have come in here just kind of hearing something, hearing what God wants you to do, hear how you step into your destiny, but you're going to walk out these doors, and you're going to hear it on a whole other level if you just open your eyes, open your ears, and open your hearts, because you're going to walk out these doors, you're going to know that you're a giant killer. As a matter of fact, the title of today's message is Giant Killer. I want you to turn around to your neighbor right now and say, I am a giant killer. I want you to turn around to your other neighbor. That was your second choice. That was your second choice. I hope it's not your father on Father's Day. That was your second choice. For the love on Father's Day, can dad be first? Turn around to your other neighbor and say, I am a giant killer. I am a giant killer. So what we're going to do is we're going to look at the three ways to kill a giant. And so, if you, again, if you don't remember anything I say today, remember, if you want to be a giant killer, you must be willing to act. Everybody say act. act. So the, the A-C-T, you must be willing to act. So the first thing, if you're taking notes, you can write this down. The first thing you must be willing to do is you need to acknowledge there is a giant. You must acknowledge there is a giant. Verse 25 and 26, the Bible reads this way. Now, the Israelites had been saying, do you see how this man keeps coming out? He comes out to defy Israel. The king will give great wealth to the man who kills him. Hold up. He will also give him his daughter in marriage and will exempt his family from taxes in Israel. David's like, hold up. I want to make sure that I'm hearing you correct. You mean whoever takes this big, ugly giant out is going to get no more taxes, no more IRS, baby? And then I get the king's fine daughter in marriage. Here I am. Send me. You know what I'm saying? And so, so that's, David's like, I want to make sure that I'm clear. Verse 26. David asked the men standing near him, what will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? So in other words, David acknowledged this big ugly giant coming in like a wrecking ball. But here's a key point that I think oftentimes we miss. Is David was acknowledging a giant that wasn't even his. You see, sometimes we have to acknowledge a giant that's not even ours. A giant on behalf of a friend. Dads on behalf of a family member. On behalf of our sons or our daughters. Or maybe on behalf of our country or a community in a time of need. Sometimes we have to acknowledge a giant on behalf of other people. But the most important thing is you must acknowledge there is a giant. How do we expect to take out giants in our lives that we haven't even acknowledged? You can't beat an enemy that you haven't identified because every single one of us has giants. Some of your giants are as thin as paper money or credit card swipes or the size of a prescription drug bottle or as big and as wide and as vast as your thoughts and your insecurities and you're not good enough. 
Or maybe it's settling. You're, you're giants that you always just settle. You don't, you, don't, you don't go after what's God's best. Or it's drugs or, or alcohol. Or, you know what it is. Fill in the blank. You guys are thinking, right? You know what your giants are. But you, maybe if it's healthy, you're trying to get into shape. And, and maybe your giant is just that Twinkie. You just can't use this twi- the Twinkie. It's just the Twinkie or the donuts or the chips or whatever it is. Or the, the, you, know, you know what it is. But you've got to be willing to acknowledge a giant if you want to take it out. What is your giant? You have to acknowledge your giant. And that's what, and that's what David, David acknowledged a giant on behalf of others. And that's what you must be willing to do. You've got to be willing to acknowledge there is a giant. I mean, whatever your, some of your giants are fear or, or inadequacy or you're not good enough. And, and, and I'll, I'll kind of share one of my, my fears and inadequacies and giants early on in the ministry. I haven't always been in full-time ministry. The last couple times I've been here, I shared with you at the age of 25, I was the youngest prison warden in the country. And I didn't know that God was going to use my time as a prison warden to prepare me for ministry. And when I went into full-time ministry, I was just, I was attending Life Church and just fell in love with Jesus and wanted to do more and didn't know what it meant and had this consulting company and left everything to, to go be a pastor. And I was excited. And I remember my first weekend, I was a pastor. I was a pastor in training for three days. Everybody say three days. Three days. Everybody say three days. So I was a pastor in training for three days, and I remember the pastor that was showing me around. His name was David Brown, and it was the first weekend, and I'm a pastor in training for three days. And I remember the end of the service let out, and we're sitting there in the lobby, and this lady comes out, and I just kind of vaguely remember the conversation. It was something to the effect of, of, of her shoulder and arm and, and needing healing and going to the doctor on Monday and prayer. And so, cool. And so we, and, and Pastor David said, well, Pastor Scott, let's go to the office so we can pray for her. And so we go, and we go to the office to get ready to pray for her. And we get in the office, and, and, you know, again, I'm a pastor in training for three days. I just want to see what Pastor David's going to do. So down the road, I'll learn what to do. And so he's like, well, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray for you, and Pastor Scott's going to pray for you. I'm thinking to myself, no, you're supposed to pray for her. I'm supposed to watch. You know what I'm saying? And so, and then he looks at me, and says, and Pastor Scott's going to pray for her. He says, and Pastor Scott, there's the oil. And there's the oil. And so there was like a bottle of oil that was sitting on the pastor's desk. And again, in my church, I don't really remember what we did with oil. I was kind of vaguely remembering. So I'm like, what am I going to do with the oil? And so I grabbed the oil. And the oil was actually a pretty good-sized bottle. And again, I'm a pastor in training for how many days? Three days. And so I want to make sure I do the right thing. And I'm sitting there thinking, like, what am I supposed to do with the oil? But I do remember reading somewhere in the Bible at some time about them pouring oil over Aaron's head and, and Samuel pouring oil over David's head. You know what I'm saying? And so again, I'm a pastor in training for three days. I want to make sure I do the right thing. And so I just grabbed the oil again. I, you know what I'm saying? I want to pour it over here. I want to make sure I'm doing the right thing. And so I grabbed the oil and then, and I just felt like God just told me to do something real spiritual. So what I did is I took the lid off again. I took the lid off and I took the oil and I just shook it up real good and made a cross on her forehead in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. How many of you guys wanted that story to end with me pouring the oil over her head? Y'all are all going to hell on Father's Day. You know what I'm saying? Like, and so like, and so I made, and then I'm like, oh, Scott, you're such an idiot. You should have did what the Bible said. You should have poured it over her head. And, and so I, I went back to the office, and I did what any other well-trained pastor would do to see if I did the right thing. I Googled it. <laughs> and according to Google, I did exactly what I was supposed to do. And so uh, at the end of the service, everybody come down, got oil and crosses for everybody. You know what I'm saying? So... Um, the second thing, if you're taking notes, so the first thing you got to do, you got to acknowledge there's a giant. The second thing you need to do is you need to choose to trust God. Everybody say choose. choose. In other words, there, you have a choice in the matter. There's a decision. Like, like David shows up and he's like, I know that God's going to have my back. I'm going to choose to trust God. You know what? I'll take out this giant. And he's telling everybody he's going to take out the giant. Think about what it looked like on the battle line. 
Eliab's like, David, man, will you go back? They don't want you here anyway. Man, will somebody get my little brother? This dude gets on my nerves. Why is he out here? And everybody's like, really, David, you're going to fight Goliath? He's like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to fight this guy. Like, there's, come on, there's no way you can fight. Like, no, I'll, I'll, I'll fight him. He's like, they're like, dude, this dude's a terror. As a matter of fact, like, like a King Saul had to finally say, David, look, man, I appreciate your confidence, but there's no way you can fight it. Here's what Saul says in verse 33. Saul says it this way. You are not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You are only a young man, and he has been a warrior from his youth. In other words, there's no way that you can fight this alcoholism. This has been in your family for generations. There's no way that you can find Mr. or Mrs. Right. You somehow always end up with Mr. or Mrs. Wrong. There's no way that you can get that job. You don't have the education or the experience. You're, t- you're too young. There's no way your finances could be in a positive situation. You've always been broke. There's no way you can do this. There's no way you can do that. But David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, I struck it, and I rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair. I struck it and I killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. You see, David was saying what he was getting ready to do. David was on the precipice of something amazing. He was on the precipice of a breakthrough. And as he's sitting there, who started to come out? Everybody on the battle lines telling him what he can't do and what he's not going to do. And I like to say it this way. As you begin to reach new levels, you're going to get new devils. The haters are going to start to come out. And you know when they're coming out that you're closer to your breakthrough. You're closer to your miracle. Like, you got to know that. And that's what David understood. He wasn't going to listen to the naysayers. He wasn't going to listen to the haters. And sometimes your biggest haters and your biggest naysayers are the ones that are closest to you. But one thing that we can learn from David is this, is he recognized that God had delivered him in the past from the lion and the bear. I want you to think about what is your lion and the bear situation. Maybe that, that car wreck that God delivered you from. Or maybe you would still be strung out on drugs and alcohol if God didn't deliver you. Or maybe it was your marriage that was hanging on by a thread. Or maybe it was the, the insecurity that you had and always trying to please people. Whatever it is, like what, what, are, the, what are those times that you know that it, was on, that it was only God that delivered you from that situation? Some of you, it's, it's things that only you and God know about. But you know that it was only God that delivered you from, from the hand of the lion and the hand of the bear. And so the next time the naysayers and the haters come out and talk about what God can't do, what I want you to do is remember the time when God did. Because all God is saying, are you going to choose to trust me? Yeah, I'll be honest with you guys. Like, I am totally, utterly afraid of heights. In other words, I'm afraid of heights. I can't swim. I don't like alligators. But yet, what did I do? 
I went ziplining. Who knows? Why did I do that? I ziplined over alligators, over water. And so as I'm going out there ziplining, like, it was a a pretty good-sized group of us. And the youngest girl in the group, she was 10 years old, and her name was Maya. And so Maya was there, and so we're sitting there talking. I'm I'm like, Maya, she was down there by me. And for some reason, like, everybody that was lined up to get their equipment on, it was everybody, then it was me, and then it was Maya. I don't know why they did that order, but I was down at the end with the 10-year-old Maya. I'm like, Maya's like, are you scared? She's like, no. My dad said, I'm going to rock this, so I'm going to rock this. You know what I'm saying? And so, and that's the thing. You think, I'm like, dad said she's going to, and she rocked it. She totally rocked the course. She was one of the best ones out there. And so, I'll be honest, like, I'm going out there like, ah, brother's scared. You know what I'm saying? And so, as I'm, every time I'm going, I'm like, and, and God's like, man, you got this. You, you got this, God. You got this. Trust me. I remember that very last one, like the one that you guys saw, like, literally, like, I remember you had to put one hand up, and then you put the other hand up, and then so, like, and I'm going, like, I got this. You guys got the video. You can show, like, and then you, you, come, you come in, and you're, you're all, like, tied, and you go, and then, like, and so. Now, now taking out the yellow thing, that's not how it's supposed to work. You know what I'm saying? Like, you're actually supposed to actually step on that deal, but, but literally, I felt like God said, Scott. Trust me. And so that's what I did. So I put one hand up and one hand over. But here's the also the thing. The thing I didn't share with you, when you're out there ziplining, they give a couple of commands. They give you like, this is coming in, keep coming in. This right here is begin to slow down. It means you got to put your hand slow down. And this right here means stop, 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 stop really fast. Stop, 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 right? So if we watch it again, watch what the lady does. So watch your arms, watch your arms, watch your arms. So, so here's the thing. You guys are going to make the decision and you're going to choose to trust God. But you also have to make sure that you obey his commands once you do. Because if you don't obey, you're going to have to pay. You know what I'm saying? Like, you're going to run right into something. And some of you guys, God is speaking something to you. He's telling you about that relationship that you're in that's not God's best. He's telling you that that I'm going, that I got healing around the corner, but I need you to do these things. He's speaking some things to you. He's giving you some commands. You got to be willing to listen to the commands. Because what's in between you and your blessing, what's in between you and your breakthrough is the decision to choose to trust God. Because God is not moved by the size of your giants. God is moved by the size of your faith. The question is, how big is your faith? Look throughout the Bible. Jesus and his miracles, it's about faith. Woman with the issue of blood, 12 long years, your faith has healed you. Jairus' daughter, your faith has healed you. The Canaanite woman's daughter, your faith has healed you. Blind Bartimaeus, your faith has healed you. Young shepherd boy, your faith is going to get you through this big, ugly giant. It's your faith. And the reason many of you are not experiencing breakthrough and blessing is because here's the deal. You're praying for and asking for things that you don't have the courage and faith to even see out. You're praying and asking for things that you don't have the courage and faith to even make happen. And the reason why you're not stepping into it, the reason why you're not experiencing greatness, dads, moms, sons, daughters, is because your breakthrough is showing up in the form of hard work. It's got camouflage clothes on that are called hard work. It's got camouflage clothes on that are called a giant or a speed bump. But you got to be willing to step through it, and that's what we learn from David's life. Are you going to be willing to, to step through it? Because what you need to understand this is that nothing is impossible with God. 
and nothing means nothing. If you look at the word impossible, give it just a little bit of breathing room, and simply says, I'm possible. And that's what you got to understand. That's what God is trying to tell you today. I don't care what you're facing today. I don't care how old you are or how young you are or what you're facing, but you got to choose to trust God. Pornography, addiction, are you choosing to trust God? This is the point when the gentleman's going to play some keys to make me sound a whole lot more spiritual. <laughs> and, uh, So you got to acknowledge there's a giant. You have to choose to trust God. And you got to be willing to take a stand. And that's what David said. Everybody's out there stressed out on the battle line. David's like, man, please, I'm too blessed to be stressed. Bring, bring this big, ugly dude on. Matter of fact, I'm going to take him out. And Saul's like, okay, David, here's the, if you insist that you're going to go fight him, at least take my armor. So he takes him, puts Saul's armor on, and puts his armor on, and he goes out there and He's getting ready to walk up the army. He's like, man, this just, this doesn't fit me. And he said, you know what? I can't fight my battle with your armor. And some of you are here today, you're trying to fight your battle using your parents' armor or trying to use your, your spouse's armor or trying to use your friend's armor or trying to use everybody that you see on social media's armor. And God is saying, here's the deal. He said, I've given you exactly what you've needed. And, and David said, you know what? I, I don't know how to use this armor, but I have used this, this sling a couple of times. I have taken out a lion or a bear. And you know what? I do know how to use this. I've gotten pretty proficient. Matter of fact, I can take a, a lot of folks out with this. He said, I don't need that armor. And what God is trying to tell you with David's life, he's saying you have exactly what you need. And so David said, you know what? I'm going to go. And the Bible says he goes over to the stream and that he pulls out five smooth stones. And the five smooth stones look like this. So he got five, he got five smooth stones, put them in his bag. And if you do further research into the Bible, what you'll know about Goliath is this is Goliath had four other relatives that were also giants. And so what David was known is not only am I going to take out this big, ugly giant named Goliath, but I got four other stones for his ugly relatives that they want to come get some too. And so that's what you're doing. You're putting your giants on notice. You're putting your giants on notice. And so what, what did he do? The, the Bible says that, that he gets the stones and then he takes the stand. And he says, you know what? I'm going to take this big, ugly giant out. And so as Goliath began to move closer to him, and here's what David didn't wait. That's the thing. If you're going to take out your giant, you can't be passive. You've got to be in a position called ready. You've got to be moving forward. And so David didn't wait. As the Philistine moved closer to attack him, David ran quickly towards the battle line to meet him, reaching into his bag and taking out a stone. He slung it and struck the Philistine on the forehead. The stone sank into his forehead, and he fell face down on the ground. So here's the deal. So David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone. In other words, God had given him exactly what he needed. And without a sword, he struck down the Philistine and killed him. Then I love what the Bible says. The Bible says he didn't stop there. It says that David ran and stood over him. And he said he took a hold of the Philistine's sword and he drew it from the sheath. And I love this. The Bible says that, that after, he, after he killed him, what he do? It says that he took his sword and drew it from the sheath. And it says that he cut his head off and he killed him. He cut his head off and he he held his head up. And what did he do? He took out his phone. He took a selfie. Hashtag giant killer.
You see, your breakthrough is on the other side of your act. Acknowledging there's a giant, choosing to trust God, and taking a stand. I'm telling you, what appears to be a setback is actually a setup for your success. And let me tell you something on this Father's Day. You want to know why David was put in a position for greatness and put in a position for breakthrough? You want to know why? Because he did what his father asked him to do. His father said, I need you to take this roasted grain and corn. I need you to take it to your brothers. And because he did what his father asked him to do, he was put in the right place at the right time. And if you want to experience greatness, all you got to be willing to do is do what your heavenly father has asked you to do. He's going to put you in a place for greatness. He's going to put you in a place for breakthrough that's what you must be willing to do it's doing the little things the things that seem mundane scooping the poop and you continue to be faithful God's got a blessing and God's got a breakthrough for you you see David was anointed the king of Israel at 15 years old but he wasn't appointed until he was 30. You see, here's the deal. There's a difference between your anointment and your appointment. I'm here to tell you today, every single person, you've been anointed for greatness. But you know what? If you want to step into your appointment, there's some things that you're going to need to do. You got to acknowledge those giants. You got to have all the faith in the world and you got to choose to trust God. Because here's the deal, and you got to take a stand. Because the enemy is lurking. John 10, 10 says the enemy comes to do what? To kill, steal, and destroy. Let's say that again. The enemy comes to do what? To kill, steal, and destroy. Let's go back to what David was doing. Because when you got faith and you trust God, guess what you're going to do? You're going to flip that thing around. What did David do? He, he killed him as he hit him in the forehead. What did he do? He stole his sword from him. And then what did he do? He took and he destroyed his giant. He destroyed his enemy as he cut his head off. And so that's what you're going to do today. I got some giant killers that are going to kill, steal, and destroy their enemies. They're going to walk out these doors today. And their lives are going to be different. Thank you for listening to this week's message from Meadowbrook Church. We hope you stay connected by following us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at NBC Ocala.